Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on where you are in the world and what time it is when you're tuning in. This is Perrin Desports, and I'm your host for the Group Practice Accelerator podcast from Polaris Healthcare Partners. If you're an entrepreneurial dentist or other healthcare provider, and you're interested in building a successful group practice, you found your primary resource for some of the industry's best business education. My partner, DeWalker Sinha, and I have decades of experience helping people just like you launch, scale, and ultimately exit successful group practices. In short, we create clarity, confidence, and results. Well, welcome everyone to season two, episode 48 of the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. One we're calling is 2023, your year for what exactly? Yep, planning for the new year. We're not that far away. Get your pad and pen ready for another cup of that wonderful meal of coffee. The Group Practice Accelerator podcast is on the air. And welcome everybody once again to the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. I am your host, Perrin Desports. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. And thank you to everyone for all of the comments and feedback we received on our prior couple of episodes. I did a three-part series um, around, you know, the should you or should you not build a group practice um, and obviously gave y'all a lot of things to think about and a lot of things that elicited some feedback. So as I was corresponding with a number of you, talking with a handful of you um, and and thinking about uh, this episode, um, I wanted to kind of synthesize some of those conversations I've had that were an outgrowth of the the prior episodes um, because we really did get a lot of, um, you know, a lot of good questions and a lot of the questions were of really personal nature as well, um, which is not necessarily the norm um, that we get uh, in terms of inquiries from uh, from our followers. So I want to kind of break down some of this stuff um, because I, I think we're at we're at an interesting point in time um, from a macroeconomic standpoint. We're at an interesting point in time as it relates to the change in the profession and the the um, growing consolidation. We're at an interesting point in time of the calendar year as it relates to, you know, going through the holidays and having that kind of level set as we enter into a new year. Um, and, and so I figured I would try to wrap some of that together and give you a few things to think about um, as we look into 2023. And I'm not talking about the recession and we're going to do something around recession proofing your business at some point, but this is not today. All right. This is really more, I would think about today's episode as more of a, a strategic planning session type of a, a mindset than, than otherwise. Um, and as we think about planning for the new year, DeWalker and I recently, recently went through our strategic planning session we run our fiscal year from October 1st through the end of um, September. So we're on a different calendar than calendar year. Um, but, you know, we, we think about things from uh, a 12 month, uh, a three year and a five year planning horizon. And, you know, one of the things um, that I would impress upon many of you as it as it relates to the the planning process that you may undertake in the new year 
uh, is a is a quote from the former chairman and CEO of General Electric, Jack Welch. We all probably remember Jack's name. He's a an icon in the world of of global business for the better part of 20 years, and and was really a pioneer among the way a lot of enterprise level businesses um, grew and expanded and and hopefully became more successful over that period of times. He's known for a lot of different quotes. One of them that I fall back on frequently is see things the way they are, not the way you want them to be. I'll say that again. See things the way they are, not the way you want them to be. And all too often, those of us who run successful businesses create some degree of success and we start to delude ourselves. And, and we think that success, because we've created success, that success is perpetual, um, that it is, um, uh, it's a foregone conclusion. It is because we've been successful historically, we will be successful in the future. Uh, and that is uh, a bad, bad place to be. The reason that we do, when we, when we work with a consulting client and we go through a strategic planning process, the SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats is always a component of that. And the reason that we do that is we try to impress upon the client to gain some level of objectivity around not just their business, but the marketplace as well. And, and that is critically important as you think about uh, not just 2023, but beyond that. And this probably still plays off of the should I or should I not build a, a group practice uh, thought process that it, that I uh, unpacked in the prior three episodes. So see things the way they are, not the way we want them to be. One of the things the ADA has pointed to, and this goes back to a report they did in 2019, 2018, something like that, uh, was the commoditization, if you will, um, of some of the services uh, that the profession delivers. And they, the Health Policy Institute of the ADA uh, surveyed a bunch of adults, and, and what they asked them was, uh, would you be willing to pay more for an insurance plan if it meant maintaining uh, your preference of provider. Put another way, would you be willing to pay more for your insurance if you got to keep your current provider, your current dentist or healthcare professional or, or family physician, um, or does it not matter that much to you? And, and the way the responses shook out when they asked, would you be willing to pay more for your medical insurance if it meant maintaining your provider Almost 60% said they would, in fact, be willing to uh, pay more for uh, medical insurance if it meant maintaining their provider. Um, when they asked the same question, would you be willing to pay more for your dental insurance um, if it uh, meant maintaining your provider? Only 40% would. So I think that is a... a, a you know, a ringing bell in my mind about the way more and more adults are viewing the relationship with their dental practice and their dentists and their hygienists and everything from an interchangeable parts context. 
I will tell you that I'm 52 years old. I know my dentist on a personal level. Um, I know he takes a lot of advanced CE. I know he's a CERAC dentist and he does guided implant surgery. He's, he's regarded as being a very good clinician. Um, I like him on a personal level. We know, uh, Lucy and I know their family. Um, you know, I, I couldn't tell you what he charges for a crown or a cleaning or anything else. And if my insurance changes, it's not going to change my provider uh, of record. I'd be willing to pay out of pocket for that. I mean, I, I am solidly in uh, the camp of my my dentist on a personal level. So insurance is not going to influence my decision making process around that. I'm also not the norm. And this sort of graph changes significantly the younger it goes. We talked about uh, millennials viewing healthcare services from a convenience and a price transparency standpoint. I think this sort of question further corroborates that and that if they start to see dental services as being more of a commodity, it's more difficult to create a difference at a provider level. I think you need to be mindful of that. If you are, if you've built a successful fee for service practice in your five years from retirement, I think you're probably pretty solid. On the other hand, if yours is a multifaceted insurance-based general dentistry practice and you've got 15 to 20 years to go before you retire, this is something that would influence my decision-making thought process and the way I approach strategic planning for sure. And that, you know, commoditization, uh, if you will. Um, is is a uh, is a ringing bell in my mind. Uh, you can either be high experience or low cost. It's really hard to be somewhere in the middle, and that's what I'm trying to impress upon you. There, um, we talked in a prior episode about some of the industry drivers um, that are that are influencing both behavior and successes of practices. One of them, one of which is declining insurance reimbursement rates. The the HPI Health Policy Institute. Uh, has done a lot of work on that. And we talked about the fact that they those insurance reimbursement rates have declined about 17% over their last study, which was 2006 to 2016. Um, and only three states were showing an increase at all. Um, so insurance uh, is, is not in the game of paying more for services, quite the opposite. Um, your costs of operations as a business owner operator are increasing. We see that in wages presently, but it's across the board. Uh, it's the cost of services among everything we do. The cost of technology and equipment is going up. If you're going to uh, take advanced CE uh, to learn how to do more complicated clinical procedures because they're higher value, there's a lot of merit in that. But along with that comes usually taking on some level of debt to fund the purchase of the equipment and that drains cash flows um, uh, or free cash flows uh, out of the business to satisfy that that uh, monthly debt payment. Um, wages are obviously increasing. Uh, you know, hopefully some of that's going to come back down to earth as unemployment creeps up a little bit. But wow, that's a huge pressure in in almost every practice. Um, you know, and and the cost of of um, uh, wages to, to keep quality teammates uh, is something that is 
probably going to be with us for a little while. So when you have declining insurance reimbursement rates and increasing costs, especially driven by wages, that creates a lot of margin pressure in, in you know, solo practices or very small groups. And if it creates margin pressure, that hits the owner operator right in their back pocket and right on a personal income level. So, you know, as we think about, you know, a planning process or a strategic planning session for the new year, you want to understand, you know, not just the way you want to see things, not just the way that, that you want to see them, but the way they actually are. And some of these pressures um, are are not going to come back down to earth, so to speak. We're, they're going to be with us for a while. So how do we plan the business from a standpoint of um, working around that and ensuring that our families don't take a hit uh, when our businesses are under a, a lot of margin pressure driven predominantly through outside sources? Um, on the personal side uh, of the ledger, I would tell you that when you think about 2023 and beyond, you need to evaluate what your personal lifestyle is and your living expenses. Have you committed a lot of purchases that are, are you committed to a lot of purchases that require a lot of fixed debt? That's cars, new homes, kids in private school and colleges, I guess private school and college isn't necessarily fixed debt, but you'd rather not make those changes. If you didn't have to, you could. Um, But, you know, when it comes to that fixed debt piece, are you living at a at a lifestyle that creates no margin for error in the business? Um, if you are, that creates a lot of stress and pressure on the business at a point where, you know, arguably business margins are going to be a lot thinner for the for the next little bit. Um, and if you don't have the a lifestyle that allows for that variance, um, man, it can create a a lot of pressure that's tough to solve. So I would say now is the time to take a hard look at your personal lifestyle. And that relates to your living expenses and specifically your fixed debt. Um, Are there things that are maybe not necessary or are you living above your means? Um, That's a face in the mirror test, honestly. Um, And part and parcel of that is the retirement planning piece. Um, Are you funding retirement? Are you, uh, is your savings rate um, being dwarfed by your spending rate? Uh, if so, look, I'm not a financial planner, but I can tell you that you're living on borrowed time with that. Too many people are dependent upon the sale of their practice to fund their retirement. That's a bad place to be in. I mean, I think any financial planner would tell you that, yeah, practice sale or a small group can um, be a, a major windfall for you. But if your retirement is all but 100% dependent upon that sale, man, that's a tough place to be. You, you just don't want to, I don't think you want to put all your eggs in that type of a basket um, because there are too many things that are outside of your control. So having a legitimate plan for savings, a legitimate plan for retirement, um, and a lifestyle that is not calibrated to the max income level that the business throws off is certainly prudent in today's time. All of those are, are interconnected, you know, and I mean, you have to evaluate them from a, um, uh, 
a global standpoint, a, a holistic standpoint, maybe a 360 degree standpoint. Um, and that's, I think, critically important for that face in the mirror test on on how you're living your life right now from an expense and a, a, a lifestyle standpoint. Your age and your horizon are, are really uh, a direct influence on the type of strategic planning you do. And specifically, uh, I think I teased on a couple of those prior episodes that are you five years away from, you know, hanging it up all together, meaning going to market in another two to three years, transacting the business two to three, two years on a work back provision, and then you're living at the beach or something like that? Or are you 10 to 15 to 25 years away? And depending on what the answer to that, to, to that question is, your your age and horizon question influences what you need to do and and probably the urgency around which you need to do it honestly um you know these are heady concepts again i'm not a certified financial planner um by any stretch of the imagination if you don't have one uh you need to get one um and it arguably needs to be somebody that understands healthcare services and, and the business that you're creating uh and the way the business is constituted look we my personal financial planner is uh, a guy I've known for almost all of my adult life going back to college. Uh, Alan Gillespie was on our um, podcast uh, um, two months ago or something like that. Um, and they're the the company FinTrust Advisors that uh, manages our 401k. And we've referred a number of clients to them. Um, they're excellent at what they do. Uh, and given what your horizon is, they run something called Monte Carlo analysis, which is like probability tables to create the outcomes that you and your family need over some defined period of time. And they run that analysis like a thousand times to give you the probability table. It's kind of cool if you're an analytic and kind of see how all that plays out over time. But suffice to say, I mean, you need if you're going to build a successful business, you need to have a financial planner with some degree of sophistication who understands not just your lifestyle and your income needs and what your retirement potential is, but also understands the business that you're building as an entrepreneur. And if you don't have those two connected, um, then then you're probably going to miss something you know, in the gaps in between it, honestly. So um, if you'd like uh, us to connect you to FinTrust, um, happy to do that. Alan is the chief investment advisor um, uh, there and be happy to to share his contact information. Um, but the other thing would be, if you've never really sat down for a planning process, a strategic planning process that takes into account a number of these things that I've just kind of rattled off, it is something that we do uh, with our consulting clients and we can do it as a one-off day um, uh, for people who aren't consulting clients. Um, and I get people who come in and spend a day with me, you know, a couple of times a month. Um, I, I lead probably 90% of them for us here at Polaris. They're a lot of fun. They're not, no two days are alike and they're all one-on-one -on -one with the clients. So this is not a, a group practice or a, a group uh, session with different, um, business owners. This is all one-on-one. -on -one. What you'll find is that, um, we spend a lot of time on the whiteboard. We do a lot of uh, napkin math, some Excel analysis, some teaching out of decks or using like um, prior presentation decks to illustrate a point and stuff like that. But 
you know, if that's what you need to start 2023 to really get clarity for you around, you know, hey, I need somebody to ask me the questions that I don't know to ask of myself. I need to lock myself in a room with somebody to at least get a start on this. I need to to spend a day with an advisor to understand what the growth path might be. I need to spend a day with an advisor to understand what the risks might be. Is this something I should do or not? I need a little bit of guidance around that. Those are our one-on-one days that, um, frankly, I love doing. So if that's something that um, get your 2023 off on the right st- uh, off on the right foot at the start of the year. Reach out to me and, and book a day. Uh, it's usually as as simple as comparing my calendar with yours and finding a day that works for both of us. Uh, I think you'd find it to be really really valuable. You get a lot of clarity. Probably going to walk away from that day with some homework, honestly, to do as well. And that's that's not all bad. Um, and I find, you know, working with a third party advisor at a personal level and a professional level for me helps give me clarity around both business and life. And, you know, as entrepreneurs, we know that our business and our, our, our personal lives collide all too often. So getting a little bit of clarity around where we're going, what we're doing, what the next steps are, what we need to prepare for and have a a lot more clarity and confidence that the path we're on is, is the right path to generate those results that we're hoping for is critically important. So, Feel free to reach out to me if that's something you'd like to talk about. I'd love to host you for a day. Like I say, there are a lot of fun. No two days are alike. Um, and, and I'd love to schedule something with you. So hopefully uh, this is a an episode. I'm not sure when this thing is going to air, um, but probably it will air in late November, early December. And um, hopefully it will give you some things to think about as it relates to rolling into 2023 and getting the new year off on the right foot regardless of what your endeavors are. Thanks so much for being a listener and a subscriber. We genuinely treasure all the great feedback we hear from y'all. Thank you so much for sharing the show with your colleagues. I see our download numbers growing every month. I see the, the spikes in the downloads on a daily basis. And, you know, if it happens on any other day other than a Tuesday, I know that that means we got a new subscriber. And that probably meant that somebody in our uh, audience shared the show with one of their colleagues. So thank you all for doing that. We appreciate all the five-star ratings and the nice compliments we get. We will see you on the next episode of the Group Practice Accelerator podcast.